0: Welcome to a longer table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. Today I'm bringing on my friend Krista. Krista and I met at Bethel University, a small private Christian school that we both went to, and we're just going to dive straight into her story because I think she has um, a story that's unique, but also uh, one that is familiar to maybe those of you listening. Um, You probably, if you haven't experienced what she is going to share that she went through, you probably know someone who has, and we just wanted to have a conversation at the table about her perspective um, with leaving her marriage. So Krista, welcome to a longer table podcast. Hi, thank you. So I want to start with why you chose to go to Bethel and what your experience was like because it is a small Christian school and I had sometimes the best experience and sometimes the worst experience. I'm curious why you chose to go there and what was your experience like?
1: So the reason I actually went to Bethel was for the scholarship money that they offered me. They gave me a large academic scholarship. My dad's a pastor in the missionary church, so I got another scholarship for that. The church gave me money, so it was just the best financial decision. Now, I have, like you, I had a lot of really great experiences there. I was able to join cheerleading, which I had never done before, and I have some really good friends. I loved the professors, but I really struggled with how rigid it was and how judgmental a lot of the students seemed to be. Mm -hmm. I was used to being like the good kid in high school. And then I went there and I was suddenly like one of the more bad kids. And so that was a really weird adjustment for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally feel you on that. So are you, do you consider yourself to be a Christ follower to this day? And, and let's talk just briefly too, about how your faith maybe has evolved and changed throughout the years.
1: Well, I'm definitely a Christ follower. But I really don't like the American church as its status quo. So I don't really feel like I fit in with the typical idea of a Christian. Um, my faith is always evolving. My dad raised me to always ask questions, to always challenge what I'm told, and to never accept anything for face value. So I'm always challenging what I already believe and what other people believe. So it's just literally always evolving, I'm always learning.
0: I love that because that tends to be a theme I see in really healthy, um, spiritual people, regardless of what it is that they believe people that are open-minded, that are curious, that ask questions that don't accept things at face value, uh, seem to have a really rich and beautiful faith. So I aspire to be the same way. Um, it's really cool to hear you say that. So now kind of getting a little more into your story, you met your now ex-husband, At our college. Tell us a little bit about that relationship. How did it start? And just, yeah,
1: tell us a little bit about it. So he was also another pastor's kid at the college. So we kind of had a similar upbringing, like always kind of in the public eye. He understood those things about me that not very many people can. Um, We met my freshman year, but we didn't start dating till sophomore year because I originally found him kind of annoying and kind of cocky. And then Over time, he seemed to, quote-unquote, change. He got better. I saw this potential, and I was like, oh, well, you know, you're actually not so bad anymore. And he put in so much effort at the beginning. He was prioritizing me, always spending time with me like it was perfect. There was nothing. And then uh, over the summer between our junior and senior year, we started to have some issues where – there started to be some cracks and we did break up for a time because he had cheated on me over the summer. But of course he got help and he was doing better and he was so sorry. And he made all the effort in the world to be this great boyfriend again. And so we did end up getting married after we both graduated from Bethel.
0: Like shortly after senior year?
1: Um, I think it was, we got engaged the December after senior year and then married the following July. So July twenty fifteen.
0: Okay. So Eric and I got married June, 2015. So right around that same time. Okay. And really quick, cause we're going to dive into the nitty gritty of the marriage and why it ended, but how long were you guys married?
1: I think a year and a half. We got divorced in September of 2017. Okay. So not quite two years.
0: Yeah. So very quickly. Yeah. And what was your marriage? Like, was it similar to your relationship? Like dating? Was it different? Um, tell, tell us a little bit about like what happened, how, what, what made the marriage end? Let's just get Uh, into it.
1: Maybe we were happy for maybe up to six months, but then we had very different work schedules. He was working in the city, I was working in the suburbs, I was working weekends and he had weekends off. And so he was able to basically develop a separate life Mm -hmm. that I did not know anything about at first. So he had all these friends I wasn't friends with, all these, he was partying a lot, he started getting into drugs and was able to hide it from me. So there was just all this secrecy and all of this lying. And eventually, even when I wasn't working and he wasn't working, he would purposely not spend time with me. He would say, oh, I'm already downtown and you shouldn't drive down here. Or, oh, you won't enjoy what we're doing. And when I was there, he would disappear a lot. Like we'd be at our friend's, play, friend's apartments and he would go disappear for 30 minutes. And I found out later it's because they would go do drugs when I wasn't looking. Wow. So then... Uh, as I started getting upset about the fact that he never spending time with me, I never saw him, he would start gaslighting. me, would be like, oh, you're just making a big deal out of nothing. Oh, I've barely seen my friends this week. Oh, I haven't seen them since last week. And I'm like, you haven't spent time with me in two weeks. What are you talking about?
0: Right, right. For people that aren't familiar, just a brief explanation of gaslighting. Would you share from your perspective oh, okay. what that is?
1: Oh, so, basically, I would say hey you made me feel this way and he would say you're being crazy you're mm-hmm. overreacting you're being ridiculous it's not like that and would basically deny my reality in order to make me unsure of what was happening
0: yeah to make you second guess yourself and to be like what um and it is a form of psychological manipulation that yeah. essentially yeah makes you question your own memory your own judgment like it's mm-hmm. something that happens in abusive relationships. Yeah. And you were telling me before we started recording that there was never any physical abuse in your relationship, no. but that there was verbal and kind of emotional abuse. And you said something so profound that I want to make sure is captured here. You were saying that, especially as a Christian woman, You know, you've always been taught to forgive and to love and like give people second chances. And while all of that is valid and we should do those things, right? Forgive and love. There's also a point where we have to draw boundaries and we have to protect ourselves and we have to be smart. Um, So tell me, as the relationship, as the marriage came to an end, like who decided it was over? What was that process like for you?
1: Well, it ended in kind of like a really big way. So he had told me one weekend when we had canceled the trip because he, quote unquote, didn't have money for it, that after we canceled, he had to go visit his parents. And it turned out that he actually went to Las Vegas with his friends. And I actually left for a period of time. And he, like you said, he came back. So sorry. Let's get counseling. Let's work through it. We never got counseling. He never followed through on any of his promises. He went back to Vegas again, and he did end up cheating on me again in Vegas, and I could feel it in my soul. like I knew it had happened, but I had no proof, Mm. and so I went off the deep end. I was a crazy person. I hacked into his emails and his phone and his Apple Watch to find any clues, and I did end up getting his friends to show me video evidence of him cheating on me, Wow! and so then I left. My mom helped me get an apartment, and eventually I was able to file for divorce once I had my parents on board and that's how it ended.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's brutal. I'm curious how like during, I mean, I know a year and a half even is a short marriage, but throughout the dating relationship and the marriage, how did people maybe like family and friends, especially well-intentioned, uh, probably Christ following people in your life. How did they impact your decision to get married to him or or specifically to stay in this marriage? I'm, I'm guessing you had people who probably tried to talk you into staying. You even mentioned just now that that it finally ended when you got your own place. Your parents were on board.
1: So Tell me about that. So specifically, my mom really liked him and she really wanted things to work for us. She knew how much I loved him. And so she was a little bit hesitant about the whole idea of a divorce. So even though she got me the apartment, she still wasn't ready for me to take that step. And so out of respect for her, I waited until she was ready since she had helped me so much. And all my life growing up, I'd heard like nasty comments about women who got divorced. I have cousins who have been divorced and the tone around it, the conversation around it was always just so negative. Mm. And I didn't want that to be the conversation that was around me with my family. I didn't want to let them down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But you knew there wasn't a point where you were questioning yourself. Like by the time it got to the place where you're like, I'm going to divorce him, I'm going to separate and then get divorced. Were you sure? Or did you ever have moments where you're like, well, maybe I should try to work this out? Or were you ready?
1: It was so hard. I was ready. When he first went to Vegas that first time I should have left then I should have not gone back. I should have been done then, but I wanted to fight for my marriage. Like that's what you hear. You should fight for your marriage, do everything you can to try to stay in it. But he didn't put the effort in. Mm -hmm. He didn't try. He didn't go to counseling like he said he would. And if they're not willing to put an effort, if they're not willing to get help for their issues, if they're going to continue to tell you that what you're feeling is wrong, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. If they are not willing to work on themselves and your marriage, then it's already over.
0: Yeah, yeah, it takes two. It That's takes two. For sure. For sure. So, uh, we talked about how it came to an end. Uh how long now have you been divorced? What have you learned since?
1: So, what I've learned is that the church does very little to educate young women on how to protect themselves from predatory men that what they teach us leads us to romanticize men with the past instead of seeing it as a red flag. They don't teach us to be independently strong. They do not teach us to protect ourselves financially. They don't tell us that men manipulate us for power in marriage, not just unmarried sex. And I've had other young women since this experience who went to church reach out to me with very similar situations and that as much as I want to tell them, run and never go back, don't ever put yourself in that situation. I know they won't leave until they themselves are ready. Because I didn't realize it was abusive until I left. Mm -hmm. Until I was in a new apartment by myself, then I was finally able to realize what I had been through. Mm -hmm. So I just, I've learned a lot about just the protection we need for young women, Mm -hmm. the church especially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The church doing a better job of instead of romanticizing like somebody's story and saying, like, well, they've and, and people can change. So so yeah. I want to say, like, but to know that, especially in dating, if if you're having struggles and lying issues and things like that in your dating relationship, you can't just expect that putting on a wedding dress and saying I do is going to change that person. Absolutely not. And if you are in a marriage, uh, like you're describing, where you're constantly being gaslighted, I think gaslighted, (laughs) however you would say that, Um, and you're constantly running into the same repetitive problems that are as big as infidelity, that are as big as lying and drugs and manipulation, not just little things like, oh, we're (laughs) repeating. Yeah, not just the little things like, oh, he left the toilet seat up and I've told him every day to put it down. Like, not, we're not talking about that, but these big things that you don't have to stay and suffer through a miserable life. I'm going to guess that you feel very hopeful now, but tell me in your own words, what do you feel now that you're out of that marriage?
1: I feel like I can do anything. Like, I have the freedom to go where I want to do what I want. I have a future career that I couldn't have had back then. I just, I feel like a burden has been lifted Hmm. and I don't have somebody over me trying to control me anymore or trying to tell me that my feelings are invalid or I'm invalid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think your story is so, um, relevant and because there are a lot of people, a lot more than we realize even that are going through this right now, or maybe that are on the verge or are contemplating divorce and while we don't encourage divorce, and we do want you to exhaust every effort to make it work, which it sounds like you did, um, but again, it takes two people doing that. And if two people aren't willing to do that, then then um, we also need the permission to walk away and to know that you're not damaged for life or, or that you um, have to live in shame. Um, I was going to ask, as a young 20-something, I mean, we're getting into our later 20s now, but do you feel like... Yeah. Do you feel any shame or do you feel any sort of insecurity around the fact that you've been divorced or are you pretty like healed from
1: that? Where are you at with that? I go back and forth. I still have days where I'm just so sad because it was what I really wanted, but I'm in a good, healthy, serious relationship now that's so much better. And I feel so much myself and so protected and so well-loved and heard that I could never go back and I don't regret it. I learned so much. I have so much more empathy. I'm so much softer. Mm. And I'm such a better person afterwards that I don't regret anything that I've done. I don't regret any of my decisions. I know that they've all led me to the person I am. And I like who I am now way better than I did yesterday or the day before or the year before.
0: Yeah, that's amen to that. That's how it should be, right? Like we should hopefully be pursuing self-awareness and self-growth. Um, and sometimes that takes us down dark paths that we wouldn't choose for ourselves. But, um, when you can come out of it on the other side in the light, it's like such a beautiful thing. What advice, Krista, would you give your younger self or maybe someone who's going through something similar or has just recently gone through something like this?
1: Number one, get yourself a therapist. Um, They will be able to hear you and help you. Even if your spouse won't go with you or your boyfriend won't go with you, get one for yourself. Mm. That's my number one. Then also believe in yourself. Trust yourself. Know that you will be okay in the future, that this isn't the end. There's always hope and that failure is not forever. And it should be valued because you will learn something from it. Mm. It's okay for your marriage to fail. It's okay for your relationship to fail. It's okay for anything in your life to fail because you will – find something better on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. It's also okay to ask for help.
0: Mm, That's good. Yeah, it is. It's so important. And one, one more question that comes up for me is specific to your relationship with God. How has all of this uh, impacted that? Like, would you say your view of God has changed or your relationship with God has shifted Maybe something that you were taught to believe a long time ago, you just no longer believe or know that that is not truly the character of God.
1: Oh my goodness, there are so many things. I'm, I'm kind of deconstructing, but not really. I don't know how to put it. I'm just very interested in learning. But one day I was in church and my dad was preaching because I still go to church where he preaches, and he was talking about the characteristic of God and how when you're going through something, He's going through it with you. And when you're crying, he's crying. And it just brought to my mind this image of when I was going through the darkest days and I was in my bed crying of just God or Jesus behind me with his arms wrapped around me crying with me. Mm. Just that in your dark days, he's there and he's not just there to comfort you. He's feeling it with you. He's Mm. an empathetic, loving God and when you're hurting he's also hurting. He's not angry. He doesn't want to hurt you or spite you. He's there in the dark days crying with you. Yeah.
0: That's really beautiful and so different from what a lot of people grow up believing and hearing about God. You know, they hear mm-hmm. or believe that if they get divorced that God, you know, is going to like come down on them with a hammer, like mm-hmm. that he's going to be so angry and Again, while we're not for divorce and even you yourself exhausted every effort to try and make the marriage work, there is a time where that is the very best option. And that's not only the best option for your safety, for your happiness, for your health, for all these other reasons, it's also the best option for you to live out fully the life that God has called you to live. And it sounds like you're exponentially more in that place now today than you ever were before.
1: He doesn't call us to be miserable or to stay in bad situations. He calls us to love others. And if I can't love myself and if I'm not in a situation where I feel supported, how can I love others?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: no a great. For anybody at that point. So I had to get out of there to be able to love.
0: Yeah. That's a great breakdown. Um, as we just wrap up our time, I just want to thank you so much for, Coming on, and I know it's a brief but somewhat deep dive of your story in recent times and just your vulnerability and transparency in the show notes. We'll make sure you know how to reach Krista. If you want to follow up with her, if you have, um, want to thank her for sharing a bit of her story. Um, that's what this podcast is all about. A longer table is allowing and inviting and pulling up a seat for everyone, no matter what their story or their perspective or their beliefs to uh, be a part of the conversation. So Krista, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks Amanda.